This is the podcast of Christian Life Center, an Assemblies of God church in Springfield, Massachusetts. For more information, visit our website at clc413.com. And if you would please turn with me in your Bibles to the book of John, chapter 5. Dear Heavenly Father, I ask for your anointing today. I pray that your word will be ministered with power. I ask that every one of our ears will be open to hear what your spirit has to say to us today. And I pray, Lord, that you would move through your word, because your word is powerful. And I thank you for the privilege that we have to get to learn more about you today. In the name of Jesus, amen. John chapter 5, in verse 24. Jesus said these words, I tell you the truth, those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins, but they have already passed from death unto life. And I assure you that the time is coming. Indeed, it's here now. When the dead will hear my voice, the voice of the Son of God, and those who listen will live. The Father has life in himself, and he has granted that same life-giving power to his Son. And he has given him authority to judge everyone because he is the Son of Man. Don't be so surprised, Jesus said. Indeed, the time is coming when all the dead in their graves will hear the voice of God's Son, and they will rise again. Those who have done good will rise to experience eternal life, and those who have continued in evil will rise to experience judgment. I can do nothing on my own. I judge as God tells me. Therefore, my judgment is just because I carry out the will of the one who sent me, not my own. One of the wonderful characteristics of the God that we serve is that he is a God of life. Our God is in the business of bringing bringing dead things back to life again. God desires to transform from death to life. Our enemy desires the exact opposite. He wants to transform from life to death. And he's busy at work in our world today doing just that. You see it all around us. You hear it on the news. You see it in the newspapers. Lives being destroyed. Some people not even recognizing the power of the enemy when they get involved in certain vices and certain addictions that, ended up, that end up taking them down a road they never planned to walk on. But the enemy is in the business of not telling us the whole story. 
And when we walk in disobedience to God, sin will always take us further than we intend to go. We may think, well, I'll just do a little bit and then I'll have self-control and stop. But the enemy doesn't stop there. He puts within us this desire for more and more and more. And lust continues to grow and grow and grow. And you know if you've ever walked in a life of disobedience, that when you disobey, it doesn't end there. You've got to go to the next step and the next step. And the thing is, is that you never end up really being satisfied. The enemy offers you something and it looks so good to the eyes. It may sound so good to the ears, but when you actually get it, it's not that good. The end result of it is death. The scripture says that there is a way that seems right unto men, but the end of it is destruction. The enemy is all about leading us to destruction. He wants to bring us to death, both physically and spiritually. But I'm here to report to you today that our God is in the business of directing us in the opposite direction towards life. And I'm so glad that the power of the Spirit of God to bring life into us is greater than the power of the spirit of the world that is bringing death into lives of so many who are giving in to the temptations of the enemy. You have a power that is greater than your own willpower to be able to overcome. Because when you tune in to what God has available to you, you're tapping into a power that is beyond yourself. And when you're at your wit's end and you are dealing with an addiction or something that you can't get over it, maybe you're walking with the Lord, but you're doing something in your life you know isn't pleasing to God. And you're battling it on a regular basis. I'm here to tell you that Jesus didn't only come to save your soul, but he came to set you free from the vices and the things that would like to keep you bound. Because you can even walk with God and still be limited and experience the true freedom that God has for you on a daily basis. God wants you to be alive in every part, in every sense of that word. He wants your spirit to be alive. He wants your body to be alive. And that's why when Jesus showed up, life showed up. There's not one time in scripture where someone who was battling with disease or with death, there's not one time when they came to Jesus and Jesus said, no, not interested in dealing with that one. Not one time. Every single time, Jesus said, come, I'll take care of that one. I'll deal with that. The scripture says, everyone who came to him, he healed them. Everyone. Because Jesus is the living word. He is this packaged in human body. And what happened on that wonderful resurrection day, when Jesus' body was resurrected out of the tomb was not something that began on that day. Because Jesus, who was God himself, was life itself. 
The scripture tells us it was through the word of God that everything that exists was created. In fact, you were created by the living word of God. Every cell in your body, every nerve, all of the intricate parts of your body. We can go to the doctors, and as I visited people in the hospital, it's quite amazing all of the machines and the capabilities that they have now. They can monitor everything that's going on inside and out of your body. But no matter what machine monitors what's happening, there is not and will never be a machine that will create life. Because life originates from the life giver. This world is looking to the wrong places for life. But you've got to come to the true source. It's the source of life that is not only in the natural, but it's in the spiritual. It all begins with a transformation of our spirit. Death entered this world because of sin. But the Bible tells us that life entered this world because Jesus came and he died and paid for that sin. And because that debt was paid, now you and I have access to the life-giving power of God. If you would turn with me to John chapter 11. I want to go over a very incredible story with you. A story that really was a precursor to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. John 11 verse 1 says, A man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters Mary and Martha. And this is the Mary who later poured the expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was sick. So the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. But when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus's sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. So although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. I'm going to pause there for a moment. Because this is a very important thing in our walk with God. Although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was. Now just think, these are good friends now. And just picture, for example, you've got a best friend. And you're, you're about dead. You're in the hospital. Doctors have said just hours, just hours before you're going to breathe your last. You call your friend. Just want to let you know, I'm about to leave this earth. Thanks for letting me know. I'm just, I'm going to stay right where I am. In fact, I'll be here for a few days. Not what you would expect. But that's exactly what Jesus did. Because Jesus saw the big picture. And look at this key part here. It says he stayed where he was for the next two days. And then he said, it says before, the reason, the motivation, he knew 
that God was going to receive glory from this. Now, I want to make a, make a point. Because sometimes we go through things and we've got all these questions. You line them up. Why this? Why me? Why now? And we ask all these things. God desires to get glory through our lives. And sometimes we go through the valley of the shadow of death. And sometimes we go through the valley of death. And in the middle of that, we may not see what God is doing, but God is working out a way to bring glory to his name. It stands true today as it was 2,000 years ago that everything, even the challenges in our lives, are going to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. It is not fun when you're going through pain. Uh, William uh, had shared with me the battle that he fought with cancer. And God gave him victory. But for any of you in this room who have battled, whether it's cancer or anything else, you probably wouldn't wish that on anybody. But you can also recognize that in those moments, there was a relationship opportunity for you with the living God that you didn't have at other moments. Because you were leaning heavily upon God. Why? Because if he didn't show up in your situation, you're done for. But that's the way it should be all the time. The truth is, is that when we're healthy and we have our right mind, we should be able to cry out to God for help as if we were on our deathbed. Why? Because he's the same God who provides life for us when we're doing well as he provides us when we're on our deathbed. Our God does not change. And he provides for us everything that we need. And so it says he waited there for two days and finally said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. But the disciples objected. Rabbi, they said only a few days ago, the people in Judea were trying to stone you. Are you going there again? Jesus replied, there are 12 hours of daylight every day. During the day, people can walk safely. They can see because they have the light of this world. But at night, there is danger of stumbling because they have no light. Then he said, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but now I'm going to go wake him up. The disciples said, Lord, if he's sleeping, he'll soon get better. They thought Jesus meant that Lazarus was simply sleeping, but Jesus meant Lazarus had died. So he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there. For now, you will really believe. Come, let's go see him. Listen to what Jesus said. For your sakes, I was glad I wasn't there. Why? Because Jesus was going to use this as a faith lesson. See, there are lessons that can be taught like by talking. And then there are lessons that cannot be taught by talking. You could have a professor talk to you till he's blue in the face. And there are some lessons you'll never learn. In fact, Jesus had the same situation. When he spoke to people, he said to them, go and learn what that means. In other words, I understand you're not getting it all right now, but chew on that for a while, and the Holy Spirit will reveal it to you. Because the lessons that we learn have to be lived out in a very real world. 
everything can't be simply assessed in the mind. You know, when you're going through something tough, you may even know what you're supposed to do. You might, like, have all the list of things you're supposed to do in your brain, but it doesn't make it easy to do it, does it? Doctors get sick, too. Nurses get sick, too. They may know everything that's supposed to be done, but it doesn't take away the circumstance. You and I have been given the gift to know that our God is in control of every circumstance and every situation. And so Jesus, he says, I was glad I wasn't there, for now you will really believe. Jesus was going to teach them a lesson. So here he goes. Let's, um, let's go. So then uh, verse 16. Thomas, nicknamed the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let's go to and die with Jesus. Um, of course, they had said that there was going to be some persecution there because they knew that the people in Judea were trying to stone him. So they pretty much thought, well, he's going to get into big trouble. But Jesus had a mission. And Jesus' mission will always be accomplished even in the midst of persecution. Jesus had a specific time for his death. And the scripture tells us that with the wisdom of the Spirit of God, he avoided all of the people who were his enemies until just the right time. In fact, when he was in the garden, even then he could have done plenty to avoid what was going to happen. For when they asked, where is Jesus? And he stood up and said, it is me, I am. What happened? They all fell to the ground. So Jesus could have avoided it, but he, did, he, he allowed himself like a sheep to be led to the slaughter willingly. He said, you don't take my life. I lay it down voluntarily. The point I want to make is Jesus would not have, his life was not taken until God was ready. And that's the same for you. Sometimes you may find yourself at death's door. And I know I've spoken with some of you in this place who if God had not intervened, you wouldn't be on this planet anymore. But God saw fit to breathe life back into your body. Because of that life, he has a purpose for you. He's not done with you yet. And my friend, I want you to know, not only you who have been at death's door, but you who may not have been at death's door, God has work for you to do while you're on this planet. Yes, God saved you and he wants you to be ready for heaven, but there's a lot of work to do. The scripture says that the fields are wide unto harvest. Pray that there will be more workers for the kingdom. While there's breath in your lungs, let your body be used for the glory of God. <coughs> and so... When Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already been in the grave for four days. Bethany was only a few miles down the road from Jerusalem. And many of the people had come to console Martha and Mary in their loss. And when Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. But Mary stayed in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Now, what wonderful words that are that, that is. You know, Lord, if you were to have been here, I know that this wouldn't have happened, but, but now that you showed up, I believe, I know, I know that you can intervene in this situation. 
and God will give you whatever you ask. That was a great statement of faith. That really was. But I will say this, her faith needed to grow. And we're going to see here in a minute. She believed God would give him whatever he asked. And then she says, Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said, yes, he will rise when everyone else rises at that last day. Now, I want to tell you that there are wonderful people who love Jesus who stop at this point in their faith. They believe God will raise everyone from the dead in that last day. Everyone on that last day will be healed in their bodies. Okay? But there are many who don't agree that God is still in the healing and the life-giving business even today. They can still love Jesus, and they still trust him to a certain degree. But I want to tell you this. If we truly trust in the power of God, we've got to trust that there is nothing that is too hard for him. And he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. It never changed. There is not one day where God said, okay, now healing's all done. You're going to have to wait till the end of the world never says that. So I want to tell you, friend, no matter what you're going through, the same God who breathed life into Lazarus is the same God who wants to breathe life into you. He goes on to say, he says, your brother will rise again. Martha said he'll rise when everybody else rises at the last day. Jesus told her, listen to these words, friends. This is very important, no matter what you're going through. I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. Do you believe this, Martha? I believe that the Lord would ask every one of us that question. Do you, do you believe this? Do you believe this? Do you believe this? The Lord would ask every one of us that question. Think of this. Jesus, the resurrection and the life. So Jesus is laid in the tomb. The very definition of the resurrection and the life itself is put in a place where death is resident. Jesus couldn't help but get out of that tomb. Because the power of the Spirit of God was resident in him. But I've got some more good news if you have asked Jesus to come in and to live inside of you, he's resident inside of you too. <coughs> that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives inside of you. The question is, what do you believe about that spirit? Do you believe 
that he's able to raise you up, not just at the last day, but today? Do you believe he's able to do that? I believe he's able to do that. I believe he's able to do that. Cancer must go in the name of Jesus. Any kind of tumor and disease, it's got to go in the name of Jesus. Because he is the resurrection and the life. So when you come to him believing, that's when God loves to work. And he responds to our faith. He absolutely does. When we believe, we come before him. We say, Jesus, I know that you're the resurrection and the life. And I believe that not only do you want to heal people when they get to heaven, but you want to heal them right here. And Lord, I know that I'm a candidate because I've given my life to you. And so I ask, oh God, would you touch my body? Would you heal me? Would you restore me? When you come before the Lord with a heart of faith, God answers. I was getting ready to preach a sermon and uh, thank you so much. May the Lord richly reward you. A cup of cold water won't go unrewarded. I was going to preach a sermon about healing. And I was up late. I was studying. Just prior, um, some weeks prior to that, we had gone on vacation down in Florida. We went to Legoland. It was a great, fun place to be. And there were some water rides. So my son and I, um, we were going up this water uh, slide, and it had all of these uh, steps. And at each step, they had like metal on each just to make sure it was solid, and, but it was sharp. And um, so my son had already gone up quite a ways, and so I was going to catch up. So I just thought, well, I'll just kick in the speed. So I just started running up those stairs as fast as I could with my little tube. And as I was running, I missed a step, and I was going pretty fast. And the first thing to hit was my knee, and it went right into the, the sharp part of the, of the step, and it was concrete and metal, just, just didn't go well with bone and flesh. And um, so we had a little collision there, and, um, and then in addition to that, my foot, so that hurt first, and the second thing that hit was um, the bottom of my, uh, the front of my foot that just slammed right into uh, the concrete as well. And so I got doctored up and put a Band-Aid on and stopped the bleeding and the whole bit. And then that healed up over time. Um, so weeks had passed now, but the thing that remained was every single time I stepped on my left foot, I, 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 it would hurt. Every single time I stepped on, on the front part of my foot, it hurt. And so as I was preparing my message, you know, I'm dealing with the pain. And so... I just sensed the Holy Spirit ask me, Joseph, do you believe that I can heal you? And I, I said, it was just me alone. I was at my dinner table just writing things down. I said, yes, Lord, I believe. And then the Lord asked me, Joseph, do you believe that I want to heal you? Because that's a different question now. Because there are people who will say, yeah, God can do anything. But then when it comes to, does God really want to heal you? Well, I'm not sure. I don't know if it's his will that I get healed. Ah, you need to ponder on that. And you need to come to a conclusion on that. 
And so I, I, I pondered on that, and I said, Lord, Lord, I do believe it is your desire to heal me. And so he said, well, why don't you ask me? So as I was sitting there, I began to pray. I said, Lord, I ask that my foot will be healed. And the Lord revealed to me that I needed to take authority in his name because he's given that to us. And so, just like Jesus said, he said that when he spoke to the fig tree, it shriveled up. And he said to the disciples, he said that in the same way, you will be able to speak with authority and you can say to this mountain, move. In that particular instance, the disciple wasn't asking God to move the mountain per se, but he was using the authority that God gave him and say, in the name of Jesus, in the authority of the name of Jesus, move. And so that's what I began to do. And I began to speak to my mountain, and I began to say, in the name of Jesus, foot be healed for the glory of God. And, I, and so I began to test, and I, I put pressure on it. For about 25 to 30 minutes, I prayed. At the end of that 30 minutes, the pain was completely gone. Amen. Completely gone. And that Sunday, when I stood in the pulpit, I shared the testimony, because for weeks it had hurt. I mean, every single step. And the Lord completely removed it. And to this day, not one pain in that area. That's the power of God. Yeah, that's not, that's not mind over matter or any of this funny stuff. This is simply the power, the life-giving power of Jesus. That when we ask, he delivers. But it's all for his glory. It's all for his glory. So I want to wrap it up with this. I'm going to ask if the worship team could please come on back. It says this. Yes, Lord, she told him. I've always believed you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come into the world from God. Then she returned to Mary. She called Mary aside from the mourners and told her, the teacher is here and wants to see you. So Mary immediately went to him. Jesus stayed outside the village at the place where Martha met him. And when the people who were at the house consoling Mary saw her leave so hastily, they assumed she was going to Lazarus' grave to weep. So they followed her there. When Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, and a deep anger welled up within him, and he was deeply troubled. Where have you put him? He asked them. They told him, Lord, come and see. Then Jesus wept. The people who were standing nearby said, see how much he loved him. But some said, this man healed a blind man. Couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb. A cave with a stone rolled across his entrance. Roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested. Lord, he's been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? So they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me, but I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here so that they will believe you sent me. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, 
his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a headcloth. Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. I invite you now to close yourself in with God all across the sanctuary. Jesus said to them, unwrap him and let him go. Some of you are wrapped in grave clothes today. Maybe, maybe not your body, maybe it is your body. But I want to speak for a moment to those whose spirits are wrapped in grave clothes this morning. You see, there's only one way to get to heaven. It's not through being good, because you could never be good enough. And if you could be good enough, then why would Jesus waste his time coming and dying if you could do it yourself? Some of you in this place, you need resurrection power in your spirit. You need your spirit to be born a second time. And to you, Jesus says, I have paid the price for your sin. If you're willing to surrender your life to me, I'll give my life to you. If you're in this room today and you would say, Pastor Joseph, I'm willing to make that decision to surrender my life to Jesus. I'm willing to ask him to come in and change me and make me a brand new person. If that's you in this place, in just a moment, you're going to have the most important opportunity of your lifetime for transformation. Because the Spirit of God works perfectly from the inside out. And he'll give you a peace and joy that the world can never actually give you. It promises a whole lot, but never delivers. But if you're here today, and your heart says, God, I want to surrender myself completely to you, I ask you to forgive me of my sin and wash me clean. If that's you, as a simple statement of belief, right where you are, would you simply stand to your feet as a sign of commitment to following Jesus. If that's you, I welcome you to simply stand right where you are. God sees each one of you. He loves you dearly. Is there anyone else? Today is the day of salvation. Tomorrow's not guaranteed to me or any one of us. If you hear the Spirit of God calling you, don't miss the opportunity. I never rush past this part because this is what it's all about. It's why he died. It's why all the angels in heaven rejoice. You are valuable to God. I ask one more time, is there anyone else? You who have boldly stood for the Lord. We're going to pray together. I'm going to ask our entire church body to pray together. And we're going to simply pray this prayer of invitation. The scripture tells us that with our mouth we confess and with our heart we believe. That's exactly what we're going to do. So I invite you now to join with me in this prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, I acknowledge today that I need you. Please forgive me of my sin. Please wash my heart clean. 
and make me a new person. I choose today and from this day forward to live my life in obedience to you. Thank you for dying on the cross. Thank you for paying for my sin. I accept your free gift and I thank you for loving me. Thank you for giving me your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.